Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B. And welcome to the fourth Supper podcast of 2021. I'm Hilary Rand, consulting editor of Supper magazine. Today, I am delighted to welcome Lydia Forte, Group Director of Food and Beverage at Rocco Forte Hotels, as my guest. Rocco Forte Hotels is a collection of 15 luxury hotels and resorts founded by Sir Rocco Forte and his sister Olga Pulitzi in 1996. All the hotels are situated in iconic locations, whether historic or modern carved out within magnificent buildings in exceptional positions. Managed by a family with four generations of experience in the hospitality business, these hotels feature a distinct service approach, giving guests the chance to experience the very best of the destination and the surrounding areas. Lydia, it is very nice to have you with us today. It's great to be here, Hilary. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's um, let's start, first of all, obviously, with the big questions uh, on everyone's mind of the major challenges that you have faced um, during this pandemic with so many properties in different countries, each with a unique proposition and character. So talk me through some of these and, and how you've how you've circumvented those or how you've dealt with them. I mean, really, the biggest challenge has been the constantly changing regulations uh, some imposed very last minute, all different in different countries. Um, at what, one moment you can serve alcohol past eight p, you know, until eight p.m. Uh, with food for two bubbles, and then the next minute, <laughs> um, you know, there's uh, no no restaurants are open at all. Um, next minute deliveries allowed or takeaway, but then not takeaway. So I think it's it's having to be so flexible and actually really the cost of opening and closing um, and changing your offering so quickly, you know, the wasted food costs and the staffing costs and ramping up and ramping down. Um, and I think, I mean, I've had to, we've relied very heavily, of course, on the local general managers of the hotels and the local management because they're the ones that um, hear the rumors of what's coming faster and have been able to be on top of the various regulations. So we've just tried to have constant updates and be regularly in touch, but allow them more or less to, um, you know, to manage these fluctuations. And then, um, you know, having to learn to be really flexible and streamlined and a little bit reorganizing, for example, our, our communication does it have to be approved by the director of sales and marketing? You know, can we go directly just have one uh, line of communication between chef and uh, someone who posts everything on Instagram? Because you have to be quick and you have to be flexible. And I think that's something we we hopefully keep going forward as well. Yeah, actually, that's that was one of my other questions is uh, what do you think um, – you will keep now post-pandemic things you have learned throughout that maybe actually work better? Is it more, um, you know, efficiencies in processes? Is it certain offerings? Uh, what do you think are, are things that will stay? I mean, it's certainly that efficiencies of processes and learning to be more flexible, to take uh, bigger risks. I hope that's something that we're going to keep um, to reinvent ourselves um, you know, more fearlessly, I think, because that's something in luxury hospitality that often we can be very traditional. And um, 
and not as forward thinking as as we could be. Um, but also in terms of offering, I think uh, certainly for um, focusing on on outdoor dining and drinking where you can, we've we've you know implemented expanded food offerings where we already had terraces. We've tried to put outdoor, you know, maximize outdoor spaces like in in Villa Kennedy in Frankfurt. We we built these beautiful huts um, to be able to use the courtyard even in winter time. Um, and, and these are things that I really hope will continue because people love to be outdoors and to have that kind of atmosphere. And, um, and also a la carte breakfast, you know, having to do away with a lot of our, um, buffets actually for me is something that we, I've been trying to, to do for a long time because I feel like an a la carte breakfast is just so much more luxurious to really have that kind of level of service first thing in the morning differentiates you from any other type of hotel um and where where the numbers allow it um we're going to keep that for sure no great i think we've seen that actually in, in a lot of the on the luxury level of of moving much more sort of towards the we've talked about personalization for years now right so i think this is you know putting it into action from 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 the morning service onwards so i think it's it's definitely a trend and i i i see a lot of properties keeping that so it's good to hear that you you are going down that that same route if operations allow yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, and talking about the different experiences, um, your group uh, has initiated quite a lot of, of, of different things uh, in, in your properties, uh, things like Forte Escape, Summer of Love, Spring Sensations. Obviously, food and drink plays a big role in experiences. So tell me some of the initiatives um, that you have come up with to sort of surprise and delight your guests and maybe do things a bit differently. Yeah, I think we always try and remember that what really impresses guests is anyway consistent quality of food and of service and so not trying to reinvent you know the wheel all the time but I think there's some hotels where we've done some really fun things like um, the Summer of Love at Balmoral has initiated this great partnership with McCallum um, and our Scotch Whiskey Bar um, and we've created a membership and you can do helicopter trips to McCallum and whiskey pairings and all the outlets. You can keep your whiskey with us. There's um, little cabinets outside outside the bar where you can keep your personal um, whiskey bottle and have your name written if you if you like. Um, but really just access to fun experiences if you're a, if you're a whiskey lover, for example. Um, we did a brunch at Brasserie Prince, which which people love with an enhanced offering. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, l- lots of stuff. But um, and, and would you say that it's mostly your teams locally who come up with these creative ideas because everyone is obviously looking for new ways to um, to enhance the experience and, and to give guests something different? Or is it more driven sort of uh, from uh, from, uh, from from your main, main team? Well, it, it is more local. And then we try and make sure that if there's been a great idea that, you know, that that gets communicated to other hotels and something that's really worked can be implemented um, elsewhere. Like we found that maybe going full delivery, um, doing full delivery offerings in the hotels was actually quite expensive for us and not necessarily worth it. But um Browns, for example, decided to do um, a Thanksgiving, pre-booked Thanksgiving delivery, where it's all pre-prepped and then you just put it in the oven with all the instructions. And that worked extremely well. Um, 
and so we re- repeated that in a lot of hotels at the Dirusi in Rome. Um, a lot of the hotels where we're in cities and we have that local market. Great. So it, it, that's actually one of my other questions uh, was about delivery, because, you know, when we talk about luxury and, and delivery, it's not really maybe something that we instantaneously put together. But a lot of uh, restaurants, whether it's independence, whether it's within hotels, have tried this model. So you mentioned uh, that it maybe is not the, the best and most cost effective way um, to do it. Is it is it did it work in some of the properties and not others? Or you just decided it's not not really um, uh, what you what you would uh, bring in as, as, as a strategy? It didn't really work. Um, the only place that we brought it in um, as a strategy was in uh, Frankfurt, w- um, where we're now moving it also to Munich uh, and to Berlin, um, was um, sushi delivery um, with um, uh, with a great great sushi chef. And that's, that's more straightforward because it's cold. <laughs> um, and you can maintain the quality. Um, and there wasn't a lot of offering um, in the market already um, for Japanese food, um, so so there there it worked very well. But but elsewhere we found that it is, as you say, ex- extremely hard to keep maintain the quality of, of of our offering, and a lot of our menus don't don't translate so well with delivery. Um, in Rome, we did do some uh, events at home. So you could order the food and then that would come with a waiter who would um, find, finish off all the dishes for you and, and serve it and place it on a table and then, and then disappear. So there you had a proper, you know, real offering of quality. Um, like which the the Roccoforte at home experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, you've made some changes to your culinary lineup during the pandemic. So talk me through some of the most significant changes that you have made. We actually haven't made any major changes to the culinary lineup. We've been focusing a lot on new openings. Um, and as I said, you know, apart from what we've done according to um, regulations, um, but permanent changes, we haven't made that many. Um, in, in Berlin, we have, we're opening a second terrace where we're doing um, a sushi offering, which I'm really excited about. And on the main terrace there, we enhanced our food offering. We did many more barbecues and things like that outside. Um, but otherwise, we've really been focusing on new openings. We just opened Villegia in Palermo, um, which is super exciting. And it's, it's a stunning, stunning property. And that took a lot of our, a lot of our energy. And we're thinking about uh, now for 2023 opening Milan as well um, and what that comes with. Um, we did open a, a terrace on our Rocco Forte house um, apartments in Rome. So I guess that's something new, um, which has a sort of cafe cafe offering um, for those five sweet, you know, five apartments that we have there. And have you yeah. made, in terms of also uh, staffing head chefs, have you made any changes on that front? No, I mean, the biggest challenge really throughout this whole thing has been to try and keep everyone employed, really. And, you know, the last thing that we ever want to do is have to make redundancies. And unfortunately, we did have to make some because of the length of the crisis, which no one expected. But a lot of the furlough schemes, um, or in Germany, the Kurzarbeit system, you know, 
all this all the government um help that that meant that we were able more or less to try and keep our teams i mean now i think we're facing a challenge which a lot of people are facing um not so much on the top management level with our executive chefs or our general managers um but really further down that some people have left hospitality altogether um and gone and followed their what was maybe their original dream and it's sort of worked out or people have gone home um and are not able to come back yet um people are nervous to change jobs at this time because they can't you know make use of different furlough schemes and so on so we're facing a, a big shortage of staff i think like everyone in the industry but luckily thankfully most of our executive uh, chefs and our management teams are in uh stable Well well that's great but I think it's it's yeah we we're hearing it everywhere from the industry right and it's not just here in the UK but but really across the board that um the industry is really short of of staff and and so many people who have left and of course uh it's 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 presents a big challenge um you mentioned new openings and I want to I want to talk about more positive things because we've seen a, a lot of a lot of new openings uh, across the board in the in the luxury luxury segment so tell me a bit more about your your new venture in in Sicily it's been in the Uh, in the news a couple of weeks back when uh when when you um opened the door so uh, yeah talk me through what what can we expect there from food and beverage well this is a, it's a stunning villa villa gea um which is just on the edge of palermo which anyway is a small small city and uh with its own terraced gardens and view of the sea uh, built by the florio family at, at the turn of the 20th century and it was actually conceived of as a villa but then very quickly became a a hotel and so it's very grand it has amazing proportions um and it was really built as a health a place of health for Ijea who was their daughter who was quite sick um and um a place for her to recuperate and what we wanted to do there in terms of the food and beverage was really um convey the sense of being received in an aristocratic villa on the sea where the hospitality is elegant it's generous it's refined and timeless um but then give it uh, so it's classic and it's very classy but with a you know slightly fresh fresh attitude serving things that you know pe- we know people want to eat today and uh, the food is overseen by Fulvio Perangelini who does all of our italian restaurants um he had this two michelin star restaurant called il gambero rosso which was always very famous um and you know here he's inspired by um all of the amazing local ingredients the, a lot of things that we have from the garden as well and the orchards and also from verdura a resort in sicily which is just an hour away um which has extensive vegetable gardens and agricultural um propositions so um Uh, a lot of the of the ingredients from there and to do something sicilian which reminds you of the place the magic of the territory and you know it is one of the great italian cuisines um but without literally reproducing super traditional you know uh, dishes um yeah so it's it's turned out really well i think the food offering is exciting then we have salvatore calabrese who does the donovan bar at browns is also um done the offering uh, in the Jaya bar and terrace um and it's a spectacular bar mainly i mean firstly because you just come and you sit out on the terrace and you look at the gardens and the sea um 
it's just such a special location. But then also with all of his his cocktails inspired by the famous people that have come there over the years, of which there are many, um, and using all of the local herbs and fruits and vegetables and things like that. And have you yourself been able to visit yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I went pre-pandemic um, with, uh, well, I went actually in the last summer. I was able to go last summer and I saw it in full construction. Um, but I haven't been back since, partly because um, of COVID and partly because I was in the last weeks of pregnancy when, when they launched and I actually gave birth yeah two days after the opening so I couldn't I couldn't be there sadly but I'm excited to go this summer I, I will make it there in September well, hopefully well I guess you're in for a treat then because the way you described it is definitely uh is is sounds incredible and, and beautiful and very scenic uh, and and the food and the drink coming together with with the place itself so um it it, it does sound quite magical especially in times like these <laughs> No, it is, and I can't wait. There's, there's a, there's, a, there's two restaurants. There's the main restaurant uh, up with the views, and then there's the the um, pool restaurant where I, I can't wait. You know, big bottle of delicious uh, Sicilian wine and seafood platters um, that are all you know from there. You have amazing markets in in Palermo, um, so I'm excited. Well, you're making me salivate now, Lydia. So it does sound fantastic. And, and talking about Sicily, you've also uh, ventured into into private villas, and there's a quite an interesting um, role that food plays uh, uh, there for the services you offer, offer to your guests. So if you can tell me a bit more about that as well. Yeah, I mean we have such an extensive um, food and beverage offering already at Verdura, so we definitely want our villa guests to take part in that and experience that. I mean, we have the traditional Sicilian restaurant, we have the seafood restaurant, Amare on the water. We have a more fine dining restaurant called Zagara. We do um, a barbecue um, meat night where you choose your meat and you, you choose your, and you, they weigh it for you and you pay by, by the kilo or the gram. Um, and And so in the in the villas, you know, we really we've got a, a pizzeria, we've got two bars. Um, we want them to experience that, but then we do have obviously um, a more bespoke service. So for breakfast, you can have someone who who prepares breakfast for you and makes whatever it is that you want, um, lays it out, clears it away, um, and of course you can have uh, private chefs come and cook for you. There's barbecues in every villa. So you can do your own barbecue. You can have someone um, organize that for you. Um, and then we have a, a general sort of in-room dining offering there as well. Okay, great. Um, now, talking about food a lot, obviously, a pandemic has had its, uh, had its uh, impact on, on the world food trends that people want and what they're looking for. So how do you sort of, what excites you in the culinary developments that you're seeing um, around the world right now? What, what do you think is, uh, is, is, is coming next? What do you think you might want to maybe implement or take to your own properties as well? I think the more you're in, um, in food and beverage, the more frequently you answer this question. And then you look back and you wonder, did any of that actually last? Was any of that really relevant? Um, are my favorite restaurants still my favorite restaurants? Probably. Um, but I think London is very exciting in general, what's happening in London. For everything that's closing and for all the challenges that hospitality has there, 
you still see so much demand and appetite to eat out and enjoy. And for everything that closes, something new is is opening, and there's some great new offerings that have managed to break through despite despite COVID. Um, also in the in the in the top end, but um, very varied things, and not necessarily concepts that reinvent the wheel, but that just are extremely well executed. I think there's so much expertise in London, and um, and then I'm just looking forward to being able to really travel travel again and especially to asia you know i've never been to japan and i've never been to hong kong and they're really top of my list um and i'm sure i'm going to be extremely inspired by by what is there but i keep coming back to london you know i was in new york not very long ago and everyone always raves about new york dining scene but london is so much better the quality is 10 times better in london than what you get in in new york there's a lot more uh marketing uh, spend and a lot more you know fanfare about all these new openings but they open and they close and there's actually nothing that has as much quality as what you find in London I don't think. Uh, I, I I totally echo your thoughts. I'm a big fan of, of London food scene, and I do think it's it's uh, one of one of the tops, really. But I think you're gonna have a great time in both uh, Japan and, and Hong Kong. There's just so much so much inspiration. So let's hope that these borders uh, do open sooner rather than later, so we can go and get uh, and be inspired. Uh, and, and in terms of looking to the future, Lydia, uh, what is sort of next in the pipeline for Rocco Forte Hotels? Uh, what's what's coming What's coming up? So. Um... Milan is really our next big opening and that's happening in 2023. It's it's the Carlton Hotel, which used to be the Baglioni, um, right in the center of Milan, um, uh, with an entrance from on Via della Spiga. And um, we're, we're really excited about what we're creating there because I think we want to do something that's a bit more youthful, a bit in in line with what we've done at um, Hotel de la Ville in Rome, um, where the food and beverage offering really is key to the concept of the hotel as a whole and to create um, an atmosphere on the whole of the ground floor, which would be terrace, courtyard, um, garden, bar and restaurant um, with its own separate entrance and uh, you know, have that all flow with one coherent concept, um, a bit in the style of, let's say, a uh, Chilton Firehouse, and um, but really with the top quality of, of uh, service and the food offering. And we'll be doing Fulvio's food, but his um, what he's been doing lately is, um, I think, quite unique. He's using taking very classic Italian food and not messing with it too much but bringing in some other influences that make it a bit more exciting so we've done um, um, we've done Italian style dim sum for example um, with different uh, Italian fillings um, which have been really appreciated and having a slight a couple more fusion for want of a better word, fusion dishes on there, all very grounded in a strong knowledge of Italian food, but adding a few more, um, uh, a little bit of inspiration from abroad as well. And and in addition to Milan, are you also looking further afield as as a group, or or are you are your efforts still focused on on Europe? Well, we've been waiting for a long time for our Shanghai hotel to open, um, which is still a work in progress, unfortunately. 
Um, and so we don't have any, um, I mean, we're hoping that it will open also in, in 2022. Um, and, but we've been talking about it for a long time. Um, and I think, you know, we are interested in going further afield. Um, certainly America um, would be on our list, um, having somewhere in New York, possibly Miami. Um, but um, what we've seemed to find is that we have a real edge in, in Italy and there's uh, no other brand. I, I mean, we have a very good brand reputation there and we've had a lot of success because we are also an Italian family and we understand how things work there and we can offer something very um, authentic. Uh, and so there's a lot coming in Italy, which I can't yet talk about, but there's some, a few things which are about to be signed. Well, excellent. We're, we're definitely looking forward to it. Uh, thank you, Lydia, so much for your time today. It's been a wonderful talking to you and I, I'm wishing you a, a great summer ahead uh, and that you get to spend it uh, with your family and, and uh, eating great food and, and visiting great places. Thank you, Heller. I hope so too. And as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you for talking to me. Supper 2021, a series of conversations with culinary leaders, drink specialists and hospitality professionals in the world of F&B.